You're listening to What The Press? A conversation about business and WordPress. Brought to you by WP Maintain. Here's your host, Suraj Soda. Welcome to episode six of What The Press? A conversation about business and WordPress. Today we'll be talking about the legal essentials for small businesses, regardless of whether you have a WordPress website or not. So this is really an episode for, for everyone who runs a business online and your affiliation or your loyalty to WordPress uh, can be ignored for this episode. It's really important to make sure that your small business, and by the way, guys, I speak from experience here of being a small business owner. So, you know, I, I can say with, with some degree of authority that it is really important that everyone listening to this, if you run a small business, whether you're a limited company or you're, you're a sole trader, or you don't quite know where you, where you land right now, it's really important to follow some basic legal compliance checklists or, or strategies or, or methods because you don't you really don't want to be getting into that sort of trouble as you start your new venture. There's a ton of things you're thinking about right now, how to grow your business, how to brand yourself up, how to find your first customers. And if you're not in that startup phase, how to grow your business to the next level. And I promise you, the absolute last thing you want is to be embroiled in some legal drama, which just is a waste of time. And I say this with respect to my guest today, it's a waste of time for everyone except for the lawyers. So as a small business owner, you just don't want this on your head, essentially. And you don't want this, this burden to be a cloud over you as you grow your business. Trust me, I've been there myself and, and it can get you really down. And on that note, I'm going to be talking to Rena Popper, who is managing partner at Carter Bond Solicitors about how uh, small businesses like us and also our listeners can stay legally compliant. And to I'm going to ask her to share some of her experience in this area and share some tips and advice as far as legal advice can go on a podcast for entrepreneurs and small businesses to use. Serena, before we, we get into it, why don't you introduce yourself to, to our, our listeners here and, and tell us a little bit about Rena and Carter Bond. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Suraj. Uh, it's been a while since, since we've done something like this. So thank you. Uh, and to all the guests as well. So thank you for listening in. Um, Suraj, you're absolutely right. I've got to say it's a waste of time and also money as well. And all you're doing is lining up the lawyer's pockets, but we'll we'll, we'll move on to that and I'll talk about <laughs> that. So I'm Rina Popat. I'm the uh, founder and I'm also a lawyer at Carter Bond Solicitors. We're a corporate law firm, and I'm actually a business lawyer. So I work with a lot of businesses right from startup to exit and things in between. We've got an office in Northwest London. There are about 15 of us, and we do things like commercial property, buying and selling businesses, commercial contracts, employment law, and of course, dispute resolution when things don't go right or you don't take advice before doing something. So I'll talk you through uh, a few things. Uh, so thank you for having me, Suraj. Yeah, great. And and I think full disclosure here, Rena and Carter Bond are actually our solicitors here at uh, WP Maintain. And, and Rena's helped, Rena and her colleagues and her, her brilliant legal team have helped us with various legal matters. Uh, not that we've been in too much trouble, but a few bits and pieces over the years. So, so first and foremost, thank you, Rena, to you and your team for that. And I remember when we first met, it was probably going back six, seven years now. I was in one of our very first WP maintained offices in Northwest London, minding my own business. And uh, we ha- we happened to have this glass wall in, in, in front of us. Obviously, you could see through it. And you were moving into, I believe, your very first office as well. It's small, sort of square. I can't remember how big it was, but enough for like a desk and a couple of chairs. And I remember um, thinking, oh, there's a new person moving across 
across the the hall from us, came and introduced myself and, and realized, oh, you're you're the Rena Popat from from Carter Bond, and you know you had made quite a name for yourself in this industry, in the community, uh, locally in the area we were in, and I, I I remember that really fondly because almost I'd like to think that I I saw your your first move into your first office a little bit and seeing that you're now 15 strong, you've got offices in London, you've got bigger, you've moved onto bigger and better offices since that uh, that day. Gosh, that was a while back, actually, wasn't it? That was a long, like, long time oh. ago. Yeah. How, how have you found growing your business over that time? Uh, not, not necessarily legal side of things, but just as a, as a business owner, going out, building up a law firm, everything that's happened in between. Obviously, we've had things like COVID in, in the last couple of years, but you you started long before any 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 talk of pandemics and lockdowns and all this stuff. So how how has your transition been from that one man office through to fifteen people now? Gosh, as it happens, we were talking about this in the office this morning because a colleague of mine has been with us now for three years, and she was saying, "God, I still remember when I joined you." And I said, "I still remember when I started, and I had this small room, as you said, with the glass panels, so you could see who your neighbours are in the other offices." There's no and privacy there's whatsoever. No privacy whatsoever. You can't sit there with your feet on the desk and you know read, read your book or anything. And it was one desk, one laptop, and that's it. And that's how I started, pretty much. But yeah, it's been seven years and it's been growing. And we were talking about, you know, how we've grown it and how I've grown it. And also, you know, what would I do differently as well? And I think the first thing I said is I'd probably hire slow and fire quick. That's one thing that's stuck with me. Yes, it's a business and yes, I've grown it. And yes, I've got clients, etc. But business is all about people relationships with your employees, relationships with your workers, staff, your suppliers, your contractors, and most importantly, with your clients. So yes, businesses is all the other things that we're going to talk about today as well in the legal side and what you need to be to be compliant. But ultimately, people do uh, business and, and uh, with, with, with people. So it is all about people. And if you can communicate that right from the beginning properly and you're a people's person, then you won't have any trouble in building a business and, you know, much more successful than what I've built as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you put it so eloquently there. I think you've nailed it absolutely spot on that business is about people. You might be selling, even if you're selling a physical product or if you're selling an intangible service like both of our businesses do, Ultimately, it's still a people business. People run it. The engine of, of both of our businesses relies on human beings, their personalities, their skills, their expertise, their empathy, all these sorts of things. And of course, uh, like you said, customers as well. And, and, and you have to bring all of that together. And it's I always love speaking to business owners and entrepreneurs because not only do they have to have the skill of whatever they're selling, in your case, legal services, so you've, you know, you've got to know your stuff there, in our case, our people need to know, you know, about websites and WordPress and security and all this sort of stuff. But you also need the other side of things, which is how to manage people, how to deal with people, co-workers. People have problems and, and as you grow, you have different growing pains, different personalities. And that's a skill in itself. So I always admire and I'm always in awe of, of people who like you who've grown businesses, not just from, from being skilled at what you sell, but also having the skills of managing people and the business end of things, which has got nothing to do with how you actually make your money as a business. So You're right. hats yeah. off to you, Rena. Like I'm always, always been impressed by you. I follow you online. I see your posts and from the company as well. 
And it's always something I look back on and I, I bookmark things saying, oh yeah, you know, Carter Bond do things right, whether it's how you praise your, your, your team and your staff and you highlight your clients online and you talk about the wins you have for your clients. I know in the legal world, it's always a little bit tricky to, to name names and say who you're working for and things like that. But I think you guys are a, re- a real example of, of, of how to grow a business and without getting too mushy and too, you know, into these fluffy feel-good quotes and stuff. One thing I, I remember from a long time ago, I don't know if it was Gary Vaynerchuk or another one of these business gurus that you see online, they said, in a business, your customer as the owner of the business are your team. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Not the, the customer, you know, the end user who's paying the invoice. If you look after your team, they'll look after the business. And in, in turn, you know, I, I've tried to do as as we've grown with WP Maintain, I've shifted focus and shifted gears to make it so that my customer essentially is my team rather than me dealing with the end customers as much as I used to. My day-to-day interaction, my day-to-day service is for my team. And I, I, I tell them that all the time that I, I serve you. I'm here to remove obstacles for you so that you can go on and do the work and do the you're service. Right. You're absolutely right. And when you're starting a business, you don't know any of this. You, you know, you're kind of just thrown into the deep end. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I'm a trained corporate lawyer. I don't know anything about business. You've got to be able to kind of pick up things very, very quickly, learn these skills as well, whether that's through a business coach or reading or trial and error, whatever it is, to to learn this and then to implement it and to apply it and keep on changing your strategy, keep on thinking about what works, what doesn't work. And and you're right, it, it is about people. And actually, during COVID was one of the hardest times for every business. And for us as well, because as a manager and a leader, and they're both different things, the owner and a lawyer as well, to motivate the staff, you know, to call your clients, to tell them not to worry about their businesses as well, and all trying to keep sane and keep afloat of things as well was extremely difficult. And to, to manage the staff and uh, remotely as well. There's only so many Zoom kind of drinks you can have or what did we have? We had uh, through the keyhole. So we had the staff showing pictures of their houses and guessing. It was great fun. Don't get me wrong. But all of this as a a business owner and a manager are skills that you have to acquire and and teach yourself very, very quickly. And as as you go, and I I like how you said trial and error, because it's it's a very lawyer's way of saying, make it up as you go along. And that's what a lot of us are doing. Now, obviously you said, you know, you you were thrown in the deep end and most business owners are thrown in the deep end, which is a great segue into my next point, because one of the deepest parts of that deep end and the scariest often is the legal side of things. You can set up a great business selling, you know, handmade art or stationery or like whatever it is, you can get set up online literally in minutes these days. There is such a low barrier to entry. And I say this is a good thing. You can set up with WordPress, with Shopify, with Wix, with Etsy, with any of these, these platforms, and you are in business in your pajamas from home before you've had breakfast. And I love that about the age we live in. The opportunity is immense. The flip side of that is because of that low, low barrier to entry, potential problems. So let's move on a little bit to the importance of business owners. And I know this is relative to the type of business and and, and sometimes it's more complex and sometimes it's a bit more simpler, but give us a bit of an understanding and your insight on the importance of business owners 
understanding the law relevant to them when they're setting up their business. You know, people can set up as an limited company, there can be sole traders, there can be partnerships, but more from a from a point of view that are they setting themselves up correctly? And once they've got over that hurdle, what are some things that they should understand as the bare basics, whether or not you're legally trained, whether or not you've ha- ever read anything legal or not, doesn't matter what industry or sector you're in, w- with respect to everyone listening to this, there should be certain things if you're going to get into business, you should know about. So just give us a bit of insight on that. Sure. No, you're absolutely right. And every time there is a sort of recession or a downturn in the economic climate and and market comes new entrepreneurs because it's an opportunity. And this is no different. COVID is no different. There's lots of new businesses and new startups. And they come up with sometimes a fantastic idea. And as an entrepreneur and business owner, as you know, we go straight into it. And I'm no different. Yes, I'm a lawyer, but I'm I'm a business owner as well of, of many businesses. And I'm like, yes, I've got an idea. This is how I'm going to execute it. You can quickly get a website up and running, start selling your services and products and away you go. And before you know it, you're making money. And that's what you're focusing on. But that should be with caution because now putting on my legal hat, there's lots of things that business owners need to be aware of. And I appreciate that it's a startup. So engaging a solicitor at 300 pounds an hour or whatever it is, is is daunting and you don't have the cash reserves to do that. And often I find that business owners will say, let me just carry on, let me make a bit of money, let me get some money in the bank and then I'll instruct solicitors, which I understand from a business point of view, but from a legal, it's probably the worst thing you can actually do. If anything, you should speak to your solicitor and say, I'm starting a business, what do I need? I can't pay you up front, but how about I pay you over time? Or how about you guide me in the business and you take some shares? There's so many different ways of of doing this. And entrepreneurs are creative. They can come up with creative ways and they can negotiate. And it's all part of sales and et cetera. So before I delve into all of this, just to make it clear that this isn't legal advice. I'm so sorry, guys, I have to say this. Um, It's sort of legal guidance, but I'm always open to if anybody's, you know, starting a business and they want to bounce ideas or want to have a chat with me, I'm more than happy to take this offline as well. So in terms of a business, when you're starting up, um, the first thing you need to think about is what is the entity? Is it a sole trader? Is it a partnership? Is it a limited company? What is it? Now, ideally, you want to have a limited company or some sort of incorporated entity. The main reason for that is, is that your liability is limited. And what that means in plain English is, is is if something were to hit the fan, then you're not going to be sued personally. It means that there is a, a corporate layer there and it will be the company or the legal, you know, the uh, limited liability partnership or something, which is the contractor. So that removes that liability there. So that's the first thing to think about. Secondly, if it is a limited company or a partnership, that means that more than likely there will be another person involved. Not necessarily with a limited company, you can be the sole director and shareholder, but there may be another shareholder, there may be another director, there may be another partner. That's fantastic because there's two of you going into business, two heads are better than one, et cetera. And at the beginning of the business, it's great because you're aligned, you've got the energy, you're going to just go and do whatever you said you were going to do. And the trouble sort of starts, and I say trouble loosely, but things start to kind of unravel when the business starts to do well. And your partner has a different idea and you have a different idea or your partner does something or doesn't do something or you do something or don't do something. 
And that's where you need the legal agreements to protect you. So things like a shareholders agreement or a partnership agreement. Now, I call them wills for your business. You know, we all have a personal will and what happens if, you know, I were to die, etc. Same thing with your business. Your business is its own entity. You'll figure that out as the business grows because it will have a different route to what you have and suddenly you'll have to rein it back in, etc. But that's how to think of it. You know, a will for the business. So it's really important that you have those legal uh, documents. There's lots of other things to think about as well. Uh, the biggest one after that is probably your terms and conditions. So on that, just just going back one step, I know there's there's a lot of listeners and we, we have customers as well who come to us with a fully functional website. They've made loads of money without any of the, the things you've said uh, already, like, you know, they haven't really thought about the, the entity. They've kind of had an idea one day. And you, you're right, actually going back a little bit further to what you said, the whole pandemic as horrible as it was, you know, loads of people died and it was a very you know, sad moment in, in, in our history as humans for us to live through this. But just to take a, a silver lining from it, if we can, and with respect to, to everyone, everyone that, that, that passed and all the, the chaos that it caused, the silver lining was that lots of new businesses were started because of the, the knock-on effect of people either losing their jobs or going into furlough and all this sort of stuff. And it was, well, I'm working from home. You know, we don't know how long this is all going to last. I've always had this idea in the back of my mind that one day, if I suddenly find myself with three months off, I'll start a little side hustle. So I started it. Oh, and I've suddenly made £50,000 because everyone else is at home twiddling their thumbs and also buying my stuff online now. And great. And now I'm not going to go back to my job. I resign. Here I am making loads more money. And I'm still in my pajamas from, you know, when I had the idea. And it's that startup phase that I'm seeing a lot more with a lot of customers that are coming to us now a year or a year and a half into their businesses and realizing, wow, this is actually a serious business now. They're making a decent amount of money. They've replaced their salary. And I'm saying this is from experience. Rather than them saying, okay, I better sort my shit out now and get my legal stuff in line and get my ducks in a row. They're saying, well, nothing's really happened you know, up until now, I've made loads of money. No one's hurt themselves. I've not been sued. I only sell, I don't know, something really insignificant, but I'm selling lots of it. Not dangerous to anyone. It's not food related. There's no harm. No one can get injured with my product or my service, or, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach or whatever it might be. What would your advice be to people like that? Because I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of people who specifically say things like that to me now. When we get, we take on a website, I realize there's no terms and conditions and no privacy policies, no cookie policy. And they say, oh, well, does anyone really notice those things? And well, the answer for me is no one really reads your terms and conditions. doesn't mean they shouldn't be there, but they're saying I've been fine for a couple of years, year and a half or so. I don't want to spend the money on, on legal fees. What would you say to those people in, in light of what you've already said? Oh my gosh, I would, uh, I don't, without scaring anybody, this is so important. It's, I mean, it's great that you've got this far without having to speak to a solicitor and got away with without sort of the legal requirements on your website, but it will catch up with you. And, and I say will confidently because there will be a competitor. There will be this one irate client who looks at it and there's so much information on Google. They'll see that you don't have any, any of this, any of these compliance documents that you need. You're collecting their data online. What are you doing with it? 
you know, where's your cookie policies and privacy policies and et cetera? Where are your terms and conditions if they want to refund or the product or service wasn't fit for purpose, or you gave them the wrong advice or whatever it was? Where's your limitation on liability? And actually that could cost you a hell of a lot more than it would have cost you just to pick up the phone to a solicitor and say, right, what do I need and why do I need it? So there will come a time. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a I had a car garage client and he had had his car garage for 19 years. He was middle-aged. He was coming up to retirement age. He's built up a fantastic garage. He was going to sell it in a few years. And he got a letter from an American company to say that you're using our trademark and our logo. And he said, well, no, I'm not. I've been, I've been, you know, I've had this business for 20 years. Um, I've used it. There's no issues. And he had to change his name 20 years later. Can you imagine the goodwill? The goodwill's in the name. People know your name. People know Carter Bond. People know WP Maintain. And they see the logo. They see the brand. They see the colors. Now, he was at retirement age going to sell. And that's affected his goodwill because clients may not recognize actually it's the same garage. They may think hey, it's changed hands and so on. So the same principle applies with, with businesses. And, and you're right that a lot of businesses were formed over the pandemic and it was very quickly to set up and whether you're selling kind of cookies or whatever it was, or whether it was an online service or a platform, it's really important if they haven't done so right now to go back and see what they need. And what I found is, is that a lot of people were looking at other people's websites and seeing what they've got and kind of doing a copy and paste job. Surely that's okay, isn't it, Rena? Uh, of course you know, it is. Copy and paste <laughs> someone's, uh, your, your competitor's terms and conditions, change all the names around and, hey, Presta, you've saved yourself a few thousand pounds. So here's another story. I had a client who actually did copy and paste. And in the copy and paste, what they did is they didn't read it. They literally copied and pasted it, changed names well. And one of the clauses said in there that for every every client that I have, I will buy you a coffee. <laughs> and of course, his clients took him up on it and said, well, you know, where, where's my coffee? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, but it says in your terms that you're going to buy me a coffee. Now, that was something minor and they laughed about it and it was okay. A coffee's going to cost you a couple of quid. Can you imagine if that was something else and, and you're on the hook for it? You know, so it wasn't a question I'd planned to ask you, actually, but along the same lines of, as this copy and paste mentality, Another thing I've seen a lot of people come to us with as part of our service, we obviously don't give any sort of legal advice, but people send us their terms and conditions to add to their to their website and make sure there's a link to it in the footer. They need to update various policies and all, all that sort of fun stuff. We don't read it or proofread it. We can't give advice on it. But often we see, you know, this template was bought from so-and-so.com or, you know, get your free template at free privacy policy or whatever, whatever. Think about those services and is there a place for them or as a lawyer, as a law firm, do you shriek at stuff like that, at the use of templates, fill in the gaps with your business details and, and you're good to go. Or is that like, I mean, I know that that could harm your business in that you potentially lose a client to an online templating service, but from a, a purely, um, you know, human perspective, is that at least something that people should be doing if, for whatever reason, they really disagree with everything you've said so far? They don't want to pay a solicitor. They think, you know, a $9.99 template will do the job. Will it protect them to a degree at the very least? So I get it that when you're starting out, you know, you don't want to spend hundreds of pounds on, on this document, which you can 
buy from whatever.net for 10 pounds or something. So I totally get that. And I'm all, you know, to, to an extent, I'm, I'm up for that as well. I, I get it. I've been there. What you need to make sure is, is that there's a lot of these websites out there claiming that this is all you need and that's it. But there are some very good websites out there as well. There are some very good templates out there as well. And you've got to know which one to get. Now, that's where, you know, as, as a business owner, if you're, not, if you're not a lawyer, how do you know what's, what's good and what's not? And that, that's the issue, I suppose. Your question was, is it better to have something than nothing? And the answer is, it depends what it is. I'm sorry, it's a lawyer answer, but it depends what it is. I agree that it's better to have something than not to have it. But if it's got something in there, which you don't understand what it means. And for example, with a, with a cookie policy, it says that they're going to be using this analytics and this, whatever it is. And actually, you're not doing that. Then you've shot yourself in the foot. Because when somebody does a data request or, you know, give me my information and tell me what you've got and what you've been using it for, you are not going to have a foggiest. That brings me on to my next question as well. Very specific to businesses setting themselves up online with a website. The majority of our clients, all of our clients, obviously, being a website maintenance provider, all of our clients are in business with a website. Can you help understand, help us understand some basics that every business website needs to have of course, there's going to be variances depending on the type of website. But let's just say a typical website is a brochure or a static website with, with no e-commerce. So you can't pay for anything online. It's just information, make some inquiries. You're tracking these uh, visitors using your Google Analytics or some sort of tracking device. You're maybe advertising to them on Facebook. Based on that simple brief, I, I guess, what are some of the basics that that client with that type of website should have on their web on their website to stay compliant? Sure. So it's quite a long answer. So just bear, bear with me and I'll just queue through some, some of the bits. So business websites, the legal requirements that every business should have on there, especially the company name. If, if, there's a, if there's a corporate entity, you need to have the company name, not just the trading name. It could be Cartabon Limited trading as Cartabon solicitors. You need to have Cartabon Limited in there as well as the trading name. Number two, you need to have the registered number. So if, the re if there is a registration number at company's house, whether it's an LLP or registered company, you need to display that. You need to then display the place of registration. So uh, a few things, actually. Place of business and the registered office address. Now, they can be two separate. I could have my registered office address as my accountant's address or another lawyer's address or something. But actually, my office is somewhere down south. So you need to have both those addresses on there as well. It would be a good idea to have a contact details in there as well. Probably not a legal requirement, but it's good to have that in there. Even if it's an info at, that's fine as well. But to have something in there, if something were, if somebody were to request information or do a access request or something, where do they, where do they apply for that? How do they get in contact with you? Also, if you are VAT registered, have your VAT number on there as well, if it's applicable. And finally, the, the other thing before I move on to some of the other documents is to have details of any trade body or uh, regulatory details. So we are regulated by the SRA. So we make that very clear in the other businesses. They're not regulated. We again make it very clear that we're not regulated. So that's sort of the legal. Just a few things there. The other things that to think about are your policies. So really important to have your policies on there. And what I mean by policies is, for example, 
your website terms and conditions. Now, this is different to your business terms and conditions. Your website terms and conditions are how somebody can use your website. Sets out when they come onto your page, can they download your information, your pictures, can they upload, what can they do on the website? So those website terms will have in there, for example, that you own all the intellectual property on there, you own all the information, the copyright, etc. that belongs to you. It will set out what visitors can and cannot do on your website. So it's really important. It will also have in there things such as customers are using your website at their own risk. So if there is some sort of, I don't know, link virus or something like that, yeah, 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 then it's their liability, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really important to have. Secondly, is the cookie policy and the privacy policy. So this deals with how you collect data and what you do with it and where you store it. Now, you might be thinking, well, actually, I'm not asking for names or addresses or passwords or date of birth and et cetera. Great. But you're still collecting data such as IP addresses and what you're doing with that. Where is that being kept? So that is really important to have your cookie and privacy policy in place. It doesn't have to be pages and pages long. It can be something very simple. Depends on the business and depends what what you use. But it's really, really important to have. And the other thing to have on there is your business terms and conditions, different to your website terms. So your business terms and conditions would set out what are you selling? What are the refund rights? What if the product or service is faulty? What happens if they want to complain? You know, limiting your liability. Right now, different businesses, every terms and conditions, every business terms and conditions is bespoke. Yes, you can buy a template, but I, I don't recommend that at all because it's very specific to your business. If you're selling a product, it's going to be different. If it's a service, it's going to be different as well. I can definitely attest to that. You know, um, it was actually Carter Bond and, and Rena, one of your colleagues, who created our terms of service for us that we use as part of our agreements with customers. And, and you're absolutely right. Whilst there are elements of it which are fairly templatey, the core, you know, meat and bones of, of the agreement is very specific to our business, which makes no sense for another business in relation to our service. So yeah, totally get that. Yeah. And also, you know, making it visible. That's the other thing. It's all very great having it in a small print somewhere hidden, you know, and you have to kind of go onto the sitemap to even find it. Nobody is going to do that. And it's your responsibility to make sure it's visible. So, for example, when you are, and be aware of this, when you look at other people's websites, you'll often find a pop-up box to do with the cookie policy and you choose your policies and you accept or reject. And I don't know, whatever happens, happens. But that's brought to your attention. And it's the same thing with your business terms and conditions. And if it's an online platform where you're buying something online, you know, maybe have a tick box at the end. So just before you know it's processed, tick, yes, I read this. And then that means that the consumer, customer can't come back and say, well, I didn't know about this, you know, and therefore I want a refund and I want to complain and I want to do this, etc. The terms are there to protect you. So to make sure that, you know, whoever is contracting with you are contracting with you on your terms and conditions. Speaking on behalf of like our customers and a lot of listeners here, I obviously encourage everyone to speak to their own solicitor to get their, their terms and conditions done. And you hope you never need to use these these documents. You hope that they are going to just end up 
you know, in the footer of your website or in, in, with a checkbox or a tick box on your on your inquiry form link, linked from there, and that you never actually have to use them in in the sense of you know someone using them against you or needing to to sue you or you need to rely on them. But they are, they are there to protect you. But moving on from from those requirements. Let's say, okay, we've now got the terms and conditions. I've now got my cookie policy in place. I've, I've you know, got my the correct tick boxes that asks for consent before I subscribe someone to my newsletter. And I've got all the GDPR data-related stuff sorted. How do I keep up with it? And as a small business owner, I'd like to think, right, I've paid the lawyer. I'm done now. Don't disturb me about this again. And like I said, hopefully you never need to actually use these documents or no one uses them against you. But how do small businesses and small business owners, entrepreneurs who have got a million things on their mind, they need to use social media to market themselves, they need to manage their team, they need to deal with customers. How do they stay up to date with updates about the law and what they need to do to stay compliant? Do they have to have a lawyer on retainer? Is there a a resource that you can recommend people keep an eye on? Industry uh, bodies, I guess, are quite good at keeping their members updated but like for example in our in our space web design and website maintenance is an unregulated industry there's various blogs and stuff that you can read but again done by other people like me they're not necessarily lawyers how does a business like ours with no professional body stay up to date with these things because it's to be honest with you it's the last thing i want to read about yeah it's tough isn't it for small business owners i mean it's great they come up with the idea and they get it off the ground but then they have all this other stuff to worry about as well and law's not exactly consumer friendly or you know it's it's a minefield on its own actually it's a good question how do you keep on top of it and if i take my lawyer hat off for now as a business owner you can't just switch off from certain things you can't just say right i have outsourced my social media and that's it and it's the same thing with your with your legal stuff you can't just say I've given it to a lawyer and they've done it and that's it. It's your responsibility as a business owner to keep abreast of some of the stuff. And that could mean, and I'm probably talking myself out of work here, but you know, sign up to lots and lots of newsletters from lots of different law firms and just read it, see what's going on, keep your ear to the ground, talk to other people in your industry about what's happening. I mean, when we had the new changes with the GDPR, that was huge because it was a huge change. So you know, you can't really miss that unless until, you know, you have no TV or radio or something, in which case, how are you conducting your business? But, you know, um, so things, other things, that, that was quite in your face, but some of the small changes may not necessarily be in your face. For example, the consents before it was, they had to opt in and now they have to opt out or vice versa or whatever it was. You wouldn't know that. You'd have to seek legal advice for that. And you'd have to tell the lawyer, tell me what I don't know. But I don't know what you don't know. So it's a bit of a chicken and an egg. So, you know, just thinking commercially and taking my lawyer hat off is, you know, go onto some reputable law firm website, sign up for their newsletters, ask them, is there something specific? You know, you can always pick up the phone, take a bit of a holistic approach in that. And I, I know you guys at Carter Bond also publish articles about legal updates, which I follow. You have webinars every now and then with your own colleagues, with external people, again, in an attempt to educate your audience. And I guess from a marketing perspective, that probably does you no harm because you're not only keeping people up to date with what they need to know, it's the the classic, you know, positioning yourself as the experts. And if I was in a webinar with you about something and I thought, well, surely Rena's team will teach me everything there is to know about this topic. 
you go through it and you think, actually, they're clearly the experts. They know what they're talking about. I'll, I'll use you and your firm for it. And that applies to any business here. You know, educate your audience about things that are important to them, their pain points, how they can solve those pain points. And it just so happens to be that your solution is is one of those uh, options. So really good idea. Sub- subscribe to newsletters, follow you know, good law firms, good lawyers who publish on LinkedIn, on Twitter and, and these sorts of things. And YouTube as well, actually. We've got a YouTube um, page now as well with a few subscribers. We've got a lot of content on there as well. And I'm sure some other law firms have as well. And this is all free information that's available. And it's delivered by law firms, by lawyers. So take advantage of that. And I think it's your responsibility as a business owner to be to be abreast of all of this and to ask the right questions and not just rely on your lawyer to kind of tell you, unless until, you know, you've got a few hundred pounds each month to spare and then you'll have your lawyer on tap, on retainer, which is great because then they'll tell you everything. But you don't necessarily want to or need to do that at the beginning of, of your business when you're starting up. Rina, there's so much more we can go into here. And I really like talking to you about this stuff because you don't, I like how you switch between your lawyer hat and your business owner hat. It makes it so relatable to not just me, but I'm sure to to everyone listening to this as well. And there are so many other legal related topics we can talk about. You know, GDPR can probably be a whole season of a podcast in itself for websites and website owners, employment law. And, you know, for a business like ours, recently I went through a a growth spurt to, to hire a bunch of people on an actual employment contract as opposed to outsourcing to freelancers. And that brings its own challenges, its own legal navigation to understand. We don't have time to go into any of that today, but I would love to have you back one day to talk about the legal side of hiring people for agencies and for businesses and companies like ours who typically started off as a, as a quote unquote one man band, like, like I was, grew using freelancers and contractors where you didn't need to worry so much about salaries or pensions and national insurance and employment contracts and holiday you know, allocation and all this sort of stuff to then growing to the next phase, which is actually hiring people in your business. And that's their nine to five job, which is a whole different skill set as a, as a manager and as a leader, let alone as an expert in your field. And I'd love to have you back for that. But uh, you know, we've been talking for, for a while now and, and I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you for, for your time and for giving our listeners an insight into all of this, this fun legal stuff, which, you know, I say that in jest, of course, but everyone does need to know about this. Barina, if anyone listening wants to find out more about you, about Carter Bond, about some of these things, if, if they find themselves listening with their headphones on, whether they're in the gym listening to this or they're driving or they want to run, and you, or something you've said has stopped them in their tracks. And I have to admit, I've made a few notes as well, because a few things I need to update on our, our website uh, now as a result of what you've said. And they've, they've thought themselves, oh, crap, I better sort this out. But they are one of those entrepreneurs that has a million things to do. How can that listener get in touch with you and, and, and or your team to find out how you can help them? Sure. No. Well, thank you, first of all, Suresh, for having me. It's been amazing. I was nervous, but you put me at ease. There's so much more I could talk about. I I love this subject. I love mixing law and business because I'm a business owner, but yeah, I'm a lawyer. And then some days I don't know what I am. Um, So I could talk about, about this all the time. 
And I'd love to come back and talk about employment law and lots of other things. But can I just tell the listeners, we've got so much on our YouTube channel. There is so much information on there and their videos. So please look at that as well. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, we're not these stuffy lawyers that I'm going to charge you for every minute, whatever it is. So you can contact me. All my details are on the website, www.carterbond.co.uk. You can email me, which is rena, R-E-E-N-A, at carterbond.co.uk. I will answer you straight away. If I don't, one of my team will as well. Feel free to take up some of our time. Happy to navigate you. And as it happens, I should just probably plug this in that I am looking at another business idea, which is just for startups. So a totally different uh, website with lots of information just for startups, lots of things to download as well. So just keep your eyes and ears open for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, again, you have complete endorsement from from me personally um but also from from as uh, speaking on behalf of myself but also on behalf of wp maintain um carter bond looks after our legal side of things and keeps us out of jail so thank you rena and i would encourage everyone to to keep an eye on on rena's content follow her on linkedin um you can follow carter bond you can follow rena herself as well check out the website it's full of great resources uh so rena thank you and uh, i look, look forward to speak, having you back on on the show in maybe season two Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners as well. Great stuff. Well, that's all we have time for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did speaking to Rena. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your social media channels. And please, please, please review us if you enjoyed this episode on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this episode. As always, you can find us online on all the usual social media platforms. Reach out to us, send us a DM on your thoughts about this episode and any other topics that you'd like us to speak about in relation to business, WordPress, and doing business on the internet. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take it easy. You're listening to What The Press, a conversation about business and WordPress. Brought to you by WP Maintain.